Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of The Great Red Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lemon, and today I have with me a guest, Seth Holt. Go ahead and say hi to the people, Seth. What's up? My name is Seth Holt, and um, I'm just chilling with Josh right now. I'm just trying to talk about Manchester United. We are very excited to bring to you the first episode of The Great Red Podcast. Uh, We have both been Manchester United fans for a very long time. We've both been great friends for... Almost a, a decade now. He can't seem to stop bringing it up every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we want to go into a quick little recap of how we started this podcast. So um, obviously, as I've stated before, we have been great friends for a long time. And we've both been Manchester United fans for a long time. And very recently, I wanted to start this podcast talking about Manchester United because I simply breathe and live Manchester United. And this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I've listened to a lot of um, Manchester United podcasts throughout the years, and I figured that I have the capabilities to um, enter myself into this realm. So oh, you know the team, man. You know the team. We know what's going on. Man, I just want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> All right. So uh, the first topic we will dive into is uh, the Sevilla recap. So, so Seth, it has now been... Um, Almost a day and a half since the end of the Sevilla Manchester United. Oh, it's still painful. The uh, 2-1 result in the Europa League in which we were knocked out of the Europa League. Seth, what are your thoughts? It's like the cherry on top for a disastrous 2020. You know, know, the 2019-2020 season started off so well with Chelsea just being dominated by Manchester United. To see us uh, lose our form... To, to regain our form after COVID and then uh, to uh, absolutely lose our style of play against Chelsea and just to divulge into what we've done against the, Sevilla is just disgraceful. It's, uh, it shows a lot of flaws in our system. Yeah. So, um, obviously, throughout the game, uh, we did not look the worst team uh, in comparison to how we played for the rest of um, post-COVID and um really yes really we we entered the you game, feel that huh we entered the game um with a early penalty with Bruno Fernandez um it was a rightfully earned penalty um Ra- oh Rashford, that goal was beautiful oh Ra- Rashford was clipped in the box um after making a shot and um it was beautiful link up play from Martial to start off with and um so after that, it seemed that we were on top for a while, and eventually, um, as Manchester United seemed to do off and on, we let the other team back into the game. Um, sooner or later, before the halftime, we let in a goal um, from Suso, the former Liverpool man, uh, unfortunately seemed to find the net at the back post. Williams was caught sleeping, and sooner or later, throughout the second half, uh, it was a mixed game uh, back and forth off the pitch. And before we knew it, uh, Luke de Jong was able to find the back of the net and was able to knock us out of the Europa League. Um, overall, I thought the team that the, the team played okay. Uh, we had some good spurts here and there. Marseille looked bright. Pogba had a great game. Um, but in terms of this game in comparison to the rest of the season, we have seemingly just falling apart at the back really um, we have Lindelof Maguire Wambasaka and Williams starting um and you know as has happened with the rest of the season defensive errors at the back have um sort of cost us and I know Seth would like to obviously some- say something about Lindelof at the moment <laughs> Seth what are your thoughts listen listen I I um I understand that Lindelof is a Champions League player. You know he he's Champions League quality. I just don't think that he, as he's right now, is deserved of a Manchester United starting spot at right center back. Okay, he is his aerial presence is non-existent. On the second goal for Sevilla, he didn't even try to go for the ball. He just let the play unfold. You can see him on the replay just watching the ball go in off the cross it's just it's despicable defending and no other period of Manchester United history would you be seeing a player not go for that ball I I mean bless his heart Phil Jones 
Like he he doesn't deserve to be on the team, but that man would have at least been making an ugly face trying to go for the ball. Like I I I don't know. <laughs> that 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 to me just seems like a um an absolute waste there. Like there should be um there should be someone else in that position to be filled up. I mean, we have Chris Smalling coming back. What do you think about that? Yeah, Chris Smalling has had a um, an up and down roller coaster of a career with Manchester United. He's had his games where he's been brilliant. He's had his games where he's had his he's had his um, calamities. But when it comes to defending, it's really been a weakness with Manchester United within um, the post Ferguson era. Now, something I kind of want to touch up upon is. Um, this is now the third semifinal that we've lost this season. We have lost a semifinal to Chelsea in the FA Cup semifinal, which is only just two, three weeks ago, maybe now. We lost a Carabao Cup final, uh, semifinal to Manchester City uh, back before uh, the coronavirus pandemic happened. And we have now lost a third semifinal to Seville in the Champions, I'm sorry, the Europa League semifinal. Um, Don't this, you wish it was that Champions League? Don't I wish. You wish? I wish. <laughs> um, but this now poses a major mentality problem when you look at all of the goals conceded in every single semifinal, which you look at the Chelsea game in which it was um, De Gea who had several mistakes at the back. You have this game uh, where... Pulisic um, played amazing. <laughs> you have this game where... Brandon Williams was caught sleeping at the back on one goal. Um, Juan Bissaka, in notable, had a um, terrible game this game, which is one of his worst games of the season. And then you look at Lindelof, who also had a nightmare at the back tonight. This seems to pose a sort of... Um, recurrent theme. Recurrent theme in which our defenders are costing us in the biggest times. And it seems to pose a sort of um, mentality issue with the current team and do you think that this mentality issue is something that can be fixed short term or do you think that this mentality is something that um needs to be fixed with leadership or Look, it, the addition it, it, of new players what do you think Seth? to me it's a uh, it's a lack of character inside the players honestly it, 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 and, and i i hate to say that because we have amazing workers on our team like bless his heart daniel james tries his best I mean, whenever that man is on the field, like, he's running a million miles an hour. He's putting in, like, five kilometers for the 30 minutes that he's on the field. I don't know why he signed him. But, um, <laughs> you know, we have um, great players that, that try to put in their best. But, you know, we have our, our only really great defender right now is uh, the center is is, here, is uh, McGuire. And that's just very... Um, off character for Manchester United. I, I, I can't really recall when we haven't had a really solid um, dual center back pairing. You know, we had uh, Ferdinand and Vidic back in the, the heydays. Um, you know, we, we've always struggled since um, Alex Ferguson to find a solid um, center back pairing that have really dominated both our um, defensive signature and the league. You know, the, the main core of Manchester United is the counter-attacking play and we have center defenders that won't man up like Lindelof in certain situations and dominate the field that he's on it just it harms us and the way that we attack too it's just you know when, when you don't make that pivotal stop like you you absolutely screw up everything in the game I, I don't know Josh what do you think about this <laughs> Well, to be fair to Harry Maguire, I understand that he is um, currently the most expensive defender of all time. Oh, yeah, uh, that's he re true. He recently eclipsed the fee paid for Van Dyke uh, from Liverpool a couple years ago, uh, only by a few mil. But he has done, he's done a solid job this season. Um, and when you compare this season to last season in which... Last season, we conceded um, a great amount of goals. And this season, our defense has... We, we've been top five. We've been much improved yeah. this season. Um, At times. And, and, <laughs> and even though we do see a lot of um, single-handed errors from a lot of players, it does not seem to encapsulate the entire 
improvement of defense overall. Oh, um, you know, adding people like Wamba Saka and the induction of the, the new kid Brandon Williams has really seen a resurgence in our defensive prowess. Wamba Saka has been a phenomenon. I, I mean, even though like people have been you know, dissing, no offense to you, Mr. Wambasaka, uh, dissing your attacking game, like, you've really turned it on the last couple games. Like, there are people who can maybe try to doubt your, you know, crossing play, but you've been spectacular. I mean, I mean there are other problems on the pitch, like right mid. Like, we, we've been having that issue all year long. You know, we've had Mason Greenwood trying to come in, that 19-year-old, like, it's just... I mean, what do you think about putting your hopes on a 19-year-old kid to just light up the league? Like, he's not Mbappe, right? <laughs> no, Mason Greenwood has done exceptional this season. Um, we'll go into him a little bit later, along with Sancho and transfers. Uh, but, yeah, this, um, Wamba Saka has had an excellent season so far. Um, actually, season, since our season has now sadly officially gone to an end. Oh, uh, with the oh. semifinal, but... Um, oh, I wanted to talk man. a little bit about um, the in-game management of Oleander Solskjaer, our current manager. Um, so it seems that uh, throughout the season, and notably in the um, latter stages of the season, that we have had a issue with in-game substitutions and seeming to make a impact from the bench when things are not going right. Do you um, think that's a lack of depth, or is that like a lack of just pure managerial decision-making? In my opinion, I think it's a mix of both, because Ole clearly at this point does not trust the players on his bench. Um, when you look at the attacking players on the bench, you have Daniel James, um, Igalo, Mata. Andres Pereira, <laughs> and Juan Mata. But... Um, Clearly to him, many of these players do not have the ability to change the game that Ole is looking for. And you can easily say that, um, you know, he does have a point. Many of these players are not as good as Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, or Mason Greenwood. But you start to have to look at um, some of the decisions he's made when bringing some of these players in. For example, Daniel James is one of his three summer signings. Uh, along with Harry Maguire and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, but yet he does not choose to look to the bench for Daniel James to make an impact on well, the bench. Specifically after um, the, the, la- the first half of the year, specifically, once Mason Greenwood made his, breakwood, made his breakthrough onto the scene, like Daniel James really just saw the bench. Yeah. Following he, January. He did start the season very well. Uh, I remember clearly his goals against Southampton and Crystal Palace. He was doing very well at the very beginning of the season, but as time went on, I think it was really um, an exposure to the Premier League and his inexperience at the top level that led to his dip in form. Um, And then you also have to look at Igalo, who definitely was only brought in because of the um, lack of depth as a striker. Honestly, we got rid of Lukaku, so we had to bring someone in. There was an unfortunate injury to Marcus Rashford. Um, in January or February, which led to him having to be out for several months. And we had to bring in another striker, clearly, because we had never replaced um, Lukaku in the summer. Um, That's another subject for another time. But Igalo did start the season very well. Um, He was performing against a lot of teams. Uh, Whether they were high quality or low quality is also another different story. But either way, he was putting in a good shift. And was scoring some goals. Um, and it makes you wonder because we fought so hard to have his loan extended in the summer because it was due to expire. Um, and with the current coronavirus pandemic going on, we needed that depth and quality. So I sort of wonder whether it's a mix-up of um, Ole not having enough depth in his team. And also, if you are not going to have depth, you have to look at the players that he has brought in, such as James and Igalo, and he is not willing to trust those players on the bench to make an impact in the current game. Um, then why what, do we have them? Exactly. Well, honestly, why do we why have do them? We have and, you them? know, you have to look at the, um, the decisions he's made on the field, the shape of the team. You look at the last game with Sevilla, you're taking off Mason Greed when you bring on Daniel James. You're taking off Marcus Rasher, you're putting on Mata. Why aren't you switching around the defense? 
going to like a three back trying to go for the goals. I mean, for games like that, you you think that managers, especially nowadays, going for those um, free flowing midfields, would be trying to go for the transitional attack. You know, it, it's weird to me that you would take off some of your performing strikers that are in form when you're when you're in need of goals. Yeah, no, I do agree with that. <laughs> now, this brings to the table the larger issue of Manchester United not having enough depth. Um, throughout the years since the post-Ferguson era, we've had an issue with overall squad quality. Now, for once, we can say that for the first time since Ferguson, we now have a starting 11, which is um, deemed worthy of having enough quality as a Manchester United team. Yes. Um, and yes. this is only comparable to maybe the first year of Jose Mourinho's reign when he uh, brought in Pogba, Mkhitaryan, um, um, Eric Bailly, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That was probably the next time uh, that we had a strongest 11 as close to the one that we have as now. But again, it becomes a problem of squad depth because you look at teams like Man City who are able to take off Kevin De Bruyne for Phil Foden, a young uh, star for England, and you look at taking off Bernardo Silva or David Silva or Raheem Sterling for um, Riyad Mahrez or even um, Gabriel Jesus. And so it becomes a problem because we look at the squad depth and if you are going to be a top team in the Premier League, you need to have the squad depth to be able to compete in multiple competitions, whether it's the Premier League, the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, or European football, whether it's Europa League or Champions League. So I do think that this is going to be a big problem for Ole Gunnar Sostar coming up. And I hope that in the summer, we are going to bring in some transfers and hopefully able to add to the problem of the squad depth that'll make us a better team. Now, I want to shift to the next topic of our podcast in which we're going to talk about the transfers. Now, Jaden Sancho has obviously been the top target of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for the season. He's a young English right mid who plays for Borussia Dortmund, and he has set the world alight since he's moved there. And he has proven it with his numbers, with his skill, with everything about him, and he will clearly add a, um, a different aspect to the team of Manchester United, an aspect that is greatly needed and has been missed for years now. So... With Jaden Sancho, the move has hit sort of a um a wall. We have been struggling to hit the 120 million valuation that Dortmund has demanded of us. Um, this was the evaluation that was set before the coronavirus pandemic, and they had been stuck to it, um, obviously because they want to get as much money as they can out of a player. We've seen it a lot with many players throughout the years, uh, especially Usman Dembele. And um, whether we can bring the player in as it is um, up to Ed Woodward and the hierarchy, but it's clear that Jaden Sancho is always number one transfer target, and he will bring a much-needed difference to the Manchester United season. Now, according to Fabrizio Romano, one of the most reliable journalists uh, in Europe, he has said that Manchester United um, have been frustrated with the talks between Borussia Dortmund because they have been negotiating with an intermediary uh, rather than speaking directly to Borussia Dortmund, the club in general. Um, they do not want to pay the $120 million fee. They have been trying to split up the um, overall transfer fee into add-ons, um, whether they are accurate add-ons um, or re unrealistic add-ons is a different story, but... The transfer seems to have hit a wall at the point. And Seth, I'm curious to see what you think about this. I think that right now, Manchester United, in the position that they are, need a star. I, I don't think Mason Greenwood should be the one that we are riding all of our hopes upon at the moment. Okay? Mason Greenwood has put up what? Uh, contributed to 20 goals, maybe? 
Uh, it's roughly about 20 goals, give or take, um, in all competitions, goals and assists, goals, contributions, if you want to put it that way. But You know, that's fantastic, okay? That's fantastic. It's a new starting, you know, you're straight from the academy. You're just going to the Manchester United, you know, trying to break into the first team. You're coming off the bench. You're putting up these numbers. But this is someone that we haven't seen proven throughout regular season play regular season starting play you know he's coming off the bench we we don't know what he's like playing every game every minute you know we, this is the type of person that we need coming in Jaden Sancho to elevate the level of play that we have off the bench you know Josh what do you think about that I, I mean when you have star players coming in you elevate the entire level of play off the field you know you're trying to come into these um, starting positions and you're playing at someone as amazing Jan Sancho, like Mason Greenwood is going to have to try to light it up to try to get some field play. Yeah, and I think Mason Greenwood has had enough of a debut season to prove himself as worthy of a starting player or at least coming off the bench player. But this is the problem with Manchester United when you look at the depth of the attackers now in the latter stages of the season and expected in the previous stages of the season if they were all fit. You have Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, Mason Greenwood and um, Bruno Fernandez starting in the front four. Now, the problem with Manchester United has been depth. And if you have the ability to take Jaden Sancho, Bruno Fernandez, Anthony Martial, Marcus Ashford, or any of them off the bench, it clearly shows that you have much needed, needed depth to bring on an attacking player who's worthy of not toning down the level of play in comparison to Daniel James or Andres Pereira, when you bring on a player of their caliber, the level is clearly going to drop. But um, with Jaden Sancho, even then, you know, you have a you add a star to the team and then you were able to bring on a much stronger attacking player when things are not going wrong in the game. For example, against Sevilla, if we had Jaden Sancho to come off the bench, it would have been a whole different game in comparison to bringing off another player um, and that is another thing that we're going to talk about now is the depth of the team. So obviously we've talked about Jaden Sancho and how important he is to always plans in the future. But we have several positions that we need to add depth for in order to compete in the highest competitions in the league. Now, I would say that our biggest weaknesses right now are the right mid in which Jaden Sancho can slot in. We also have the defensive mid position. Now, Pogba has been excellent there. Um, you have Fred and Matic who can compete for that area. Matic has been excellent recently, um, and he is getting older, which is the problem. And although he has been inconsistent in the past, very recently, he has done very well. Fred is a little bit of a different story because he is a good player nonetheless, but he tends to have problems going forward in maintaining consistency. He doesn't have the aerial ability to compete in a strong midfield. Defensively, he's not there. Defensively, and, he's and, just not there. And defensively, he's not there all the time. Um, and so I think a very um, much-needed strengthening is in the defensive mid position now. We've had rumors that Thomas Partey, the center defensive mid at Atletico Madrid, has a 50 million euro release clause and they are open to accepting that money. His biggest transfer uh, rumor has been towards Arsenal in which they have not been able to provide that 50 million and they have tried to do other things such as providing about half the fee, 25 million euros uh, reported, uh, I think along with an included player which will remain unnamed. But for a player like Thomas Partey, a world-class player, in my opinion, at Atletico Madrid, I feel like $50 million should not be much of an issue, considering that the finances and the money that Manchester United has as a club. You also have to look at the other positions, such as centre-back. Now, we spent about €80 million Euros on Harry Maguire, and I understand that Ole wanted this transfer uh, put in as soon as possible, we know that he wanted this player as early as the beginning of the transfer window, but it took all the way until about eight, nine, ten days before the transfer window ended before we were able to finally complete the transfer and bring on other transfers. Do you think that's and a so, problem with Ed Woodward? 
in charge or I I do I there is a lot of problems with Edward that we have had throughout um his tenure and I think that he needs to start flashing the money as he states that we have I can remember several instances in which he has talked about the pulling power of Manchester United as a club and about the money that Manchester United has to be able to buy players I specifically remember one instance in which he talked in an interview, um, I'm not sure which interview it was with, but he had spoke about Bastian Schweinsteiger when we brought him in, and he stated that when they see Bastian Schweinsteiger in the starting 11, that their spines will be crawling from intimidation about what Manchester United can do. He was also stated in the past that Manchester United has the ability to make others fear in the transfer market and that we can do other things in the transfer market that no other team can do. And I think that now is the time for him to step up and clearly show that he is not all the talk and he can actually pull some action. Um, and in regards to transfers, you have to look at the center back position because Harry Maguire has been a good center back. He's had his mistakes, but he's been a good center back. Now you have to look at um, Victor Lindelof. He has been a little shaky at the back. I'm not sure he's proven enough to be a starter for the foreseeable future at the club. You look at Eric Bailly, who, nonetheless, I love him. He's one of them, he's he's a funny <laughs> he, center back. He's, he's he, he's a beast when he is on form, man, and when like, he's fit. But the when pop- he's fit, but he is injured too often. Yeah, that's he, the problem with all Manchester United center backs. You look at. You know, Phil Jones, you look at Chris Smalling, Johnny Evans back in the day, even, you know, Vidic. You know, that's the problem when we bring in these world-class defenders and we don't have enough depth to cycle them through. And they get hurt and we just, we're just left stranded. Yeah. And Eric Bailly hurts me personally a lot because I remember watching him in the 2016-2017 season, uh, his first season after Mourinho brought him in, and he was absolutely world-class. He was making tackles here and there I will always remember he his looked better than Ramos that year yeah. he looked better than Ramos that year that, 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 might, that might be a big of a bit of a reach but we'll <sighs> hopefully we'll come back to that man I'm I'm just prideful okay I'm prideful <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the three center backs we have Harry Maguire Victor Lindelof and Eric Bailly you have to look at the other center backs though because clearly we need another center back but it's going to be an issue with how many center backs we have on our roster at the moment. Chris Smalling has been at Roma this season. Um, he's been and, lighting and up, he's, too. He's been one of the best center backs in the league, and I think he feels a bit... Um, you think it's, I, it's helped him to go to Roma? You know, no. the, the change of space, change of, change of faces, you know? He's, I, he's playing a little bit better. He's playing as new people. I think it's a work finally to actually be belonging in a club. You know, before it was at Manchester United, it was just expected of her to take the position for Ferdinand. Yeah. I think Chris Smalling has definitely had a great debut season at Roma, whether it was on loan. Um, and he has probably looked back at his time at Manchester United and thought that many of the fans were very unappreciative of, of his abilities. And considering that he's gone to one of the top five leagues in Europe and has been able to consider himself one of the best center backs in the league, he might be looking at all the fans of Manchester United who have, you know, sent him threatening messages and everything, thinking, okay, you know, I'm not as bad as you thought I was, but... You're trash. We, <laughs> we, we have rumors now that um, Chris Smalling has been wanting to go back to Roma. Uh, the president has said that there has been a lot of problems with the fee agreed with Manchester United, Um, but they are now willing to make the final push to make the transfer happen. So with Chris Smalling seemingly gone, you have to look at the rest of the center backs that we have on our roster. You have Phil Jones, who has been at the club for a long time now, has never reached um, his full heights if he was to have full heights at any time, and he has seemingly, you know, let the club down. You also have to look at Marcus Rojo, who was brought under... Um, Louis Van Hall in in 2015 Um, and he had a a good season or two but he's had a lot of injury problems as well and he is poised to go back to um, I'm assuming uh, I think it was reported Estudiantes back in Argentina Um, and you also have to look at 
Axel Twanzibi, who is a young center back who brought who helped bring Aston Villa back to um the Premier League this past season with um through the championship. And although he is young, Ole has given him um lots of confidence, surely, by giving him the captaincy arms band earlier in the season in a Carabao Cup competition. Um, he has a lot of potential, and he has the ability to prove himself to be one of the best center backs for the team. But it's clear that we have to get rid of some center backs in order to bring in some other center backs. If you look at how many center backs we have on our roster, we now have seven. We have Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof, Eric Bailly, Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, Marcus Rojo, and Axel Twanzibi. So if we are going to improve the center of the defense, as they consider the heart of defense, we need to get rid of some center backs in order to bring in some new center backs. We've had a lot of different transfer targets, such as Koulibaly, um, very recently Gabriel, um, but whoever it is, we need to get rid of some center backs. And well, the, the problem heart of the defense is, is if very you want to get Josh, if you want to get rid of center backs, the problem is offloading them. Okay. So but who wants to buy Phil Jones? Well, the, I understand that, but when you get rid of great players like Wes Brown back in the day, Johnny Evans, and they go to top clubs or rising clubs like Leicester City, and they are absolutely, you know, they, they are absolutely killing it. You know, I, even in the very last, uh, last day of the Premiership, you know, Johnny Evans is killing it, Leicester City, and regardless of the fact they got a red card at the very end, you know, double yellow, like he was playing pretty aggressive to. Try to make it leave his mark on the game. It um it, it shows that you know this is a guy who obviously has the potential to be playing in the top five of the Premier League flight, and we let him go because we couldn't afford him play time compared to some of our starting um, defenders back in the day. It um it, it's it's pretty bad that uh we're at this place where. We have uh, a back line where we're relying on children, basically. Aaron Wamasaka, you know, he's a young man. He's doing um, very great. But we we just need to see some progress. And you you mentioned a a few players. Where do you think we should go from here? We know we've been struggling in other places, too, in the defense, you know, even goalkeeper. You know, we have Dean Henderson coming up from... um, <laughs> you yeah. you obviously want to say something, man. Go for no, it. <laughs> I, I, I do want to go into the goalkeeper situation in a bit, but I think some other areas of the transfers that we need to talk about is the depth in the outside back position. Ooh, now, yeah, left back. Now, Aaron Wampazaka has been an excellent right back for our season, and I can't help but think that he would be helped a lot with some additional help on his right hand flank. Um, the addition of Jaden Sancho would greatly help his ability to go forward and not have to worry about doing everything on the sideline as it is. Do you think we need someone to back him up? Like, I, I, can you name someone off the bench that can replace Aaron Wambasaka if he gets hurt? Uh, unfortunately, I can't. Uh, and as we saw in the recent match, I believe it was against Crystal Palace. Yeah, I think it was Crystal Palace in which um, Timothy Fasu Mensa, who has been a um, a product of our youth academy for a while now. He um, was given his first start in, it was almost, I think it was almost three years since his last start. And that shows sort of the testament to um, what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thinks of Diego de la, who mm-hmm. was brought in under Jose Mourinho this past season. And Diego de la has had some decent performances for the club as it is, but he has proven to be a liability at the back. He can go forward. He's more of an attack. Honestly, this kid is more of a wing back than he is a a traditional right back that we need at Manchester United. Yeah. And um, I think that kind of just says a lot from Ole. Um, And whether he is given a chance to prove himself once more will be seen. But it is rumored that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has given a lot of thought about his squad as it is. And he is willing to let Diego Delat go, according to The Telegraph, a, um, a newspaper in England, one of the most reliable in England. Now, in terms of left back, we have Luke Shaw, who has been sort of a conundrum at the back. Um, he has faced, obviously, some very um, serious injuries with the leg break against PSV in the Champions League. 
Um, we also have Brandon Williams at the back, who is a product of our youth academy. He's done very well so far. He's been brilliant um, defensively. But, uh, Going forward, we have some questions, obviously. But um, he, he's been brilliant at the back. I'm sort of starting to wonder whether he fits in the left-back position as it is because we all know he is a right-back. or well, not a right-back, but he's a right-footer. And obviously, it's hard to play a left-back as a right-footer and a right-back as a left-footer. So he has done a you know, a good job this season so far. He obviously needs more time to develop. He is a rising star. Um, but in terms of squad depth, I think we do maybe need to add another outside back to help us with the squad depth. So that makes, you know, obviously the right mid positions, the center defensive mid positions, the center back positions, and the outside back positions the most important for strengthening in terms of the transfer market. Now, whether Ole, um, not Ole, um, Ed Woodward can make these happen is up to him. We all know that the transfer market is a little um, interesting this season because of the current COVID-19 pandemic going on. Um, there is a shorter window for the transfer market. A lot of players are strapped for, um, sorry, a lot of clubs are strapped for cash. Uh, many of them are not able to um, sell their players because they do not have a lot of money to spend, um, as seen with Jaden Sancho. And it'll be interesting interesting to see how this plays out because I think we have another situation in which Manchester United, obviously, I feel like we've said this every season, but Manchester United are now at the point where they this is their most important transfer window post-Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, and it's sad that we have to say this almost every summer, it seems, but now every time it seems like we make progress, we can't seem to build on it, especially since Jose Mourinho finished second in the Premier League in 2007-2018. Um, we were not able to add on to that, and we only added Fred Diego de la and Lee Grant, the goalkeeper in his 30s. Um, so, moving away from transfers, I wanted to speak a little bit about the goalkeeper situation uh, involving De Gea. So, as we know, De Gea has been one of the best goalkeepers in our history. Uh, he's a he, legend. He's, he's an he, absolute legend, Josh. He's had a great career for us so far. Uh, he did start very rough. We remember countless mistakes that he made, but it was very clear that he was young, he would improve, and Sir Alex Ferguson had his confidence in him. Now, he has proven to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world throughout the last decade, but up until about 2018, he seems to have lost um, a lot of his form. I specifically remember the very beginning of this in which David De Gea was um, scored upon by Cristiano Ronaldo in the 2018 World Cup when Spain played Portugal. And in that game, we had several um, horrendous errors from De Gea. Now, we've obviously seen, seen a lot of these errors throughout this season as well, and we're starting to wonder whether he has been able to maintain his ability to prove himself as one of the um, worthy starters of Manchester United. And you have to look at Dean Henderson, uh, the goalkeeper we have, who has finished a season on loan at Sheffield United, um, who ha is one of the young stars. He's 23 years old and um, is obviously going to be a big part of our future with the Manchester United department. Um, whether we choose to have them compete is another story that we'll touch upon in a little bit. But Henderson and De Gea, Seth, what do you think? I think De Gea is definitely struggling. For, he, I, I feel like during the last three years, he has, um, he, I, I feel like he's lost his groove a little bit, you know. He, um, for, for many years, he had to be our defense basically i don't know if you would agree with that like no i from, mean there, from a certain were, point of view like it, in certain games it felt like it was just him there was a lot of goals that were that should have been conceded and it's easily to see how day has been so important to us because you look at the amount of i hate to use this um metric but expected goals in which many teams are um exceeding the amount of expected goals and De Gea has seemingly just thrown that stat out the window because he is able to been, um, stop so many of them. But now, as of recently, it's been more a matter of 
we are now losing games simply because he is making grave errors and is this something that we should continue to persist with the chelsea game specifically was awful during the second half i i, I honestly thought that he might have um you know it it, it blows my mind when, when you see a player that great just start lacking consistency after so many years where you've been in confidence potentially but it's it does raise the question you know you have this guy who is how old is he now like he feels uh, he, so young so i think he's about 29 30-ish. oh 29 three you know like he still has a lot to give but we're such a big club that you you're at a place where we can throw away... You, you think you, you might need to throw away a club legend in order to win games. Like, Dean Henderson, like, I, I don't even know if he's that proven. It's been one year that we've seen him at Sheffield where he's absolutely lit up the world. But is that enough to make this kid compete with De Gea one-on-one every week, day in and day out? Should you go back on loan? I personally hope that Dean Henderson does not go back out on loan. I really want to see him compete with David De Gea for the goalkeeping position this next season. Um, But as we know, um, according to interviews, Dean Henderson has stated his um, unwillingness to come back to the Manchester United team unless he is given the starting position. Now, I know Dean Henderson has had a great season, and he's a young young goalkeeper with a lot of potential, but I feel like this is a little bit of a mentality issue that we do not need to add to with the current mentality issue at Manchester United. And I feel like it's a bit of a poor mentality as well that he feels that he can come back to one of the greatest clubs in the world and immediately become a starter without proving his position um, in the club in, in relevance to one of our greatest goalkeepers ever, David Hay. Inside the club too, just off of loan. Like I, I, I've never seen him between the six at Manchester United. In a big exactly. game, like I don't know how he's going to perform. How can I trust this kid coming forward? I know you've had a great season. I want to see you do amazing things for the rest of your life, Dean Henderson. But it when you when you look at the quality that we've had, Van der Sar, Schmeichel, De Gea, like yeah, it, it, does, is De Gea worthy of more time? Should we see him for the season without having this competition to try to get his head back into form? I. I love De Gea. I love him as a player, but I think it's time that he has another player, Dean Henderson. Are you saying Romero isn't good enough? To compete with. (laughs) Now, Romero, he was brought in, I believe, under um, Louis Van Hall as well. Um, He has had some good performances. He's mostly been resorted to cup games, Um, but I don't think that he has ever been good enough to start as the Manchester United goalkeeper as it is. Now, when you look at that, I think you have to sort of think about what is best for the club in general. And I think that the best option right now is to have David De Gea and Dean Henderson compete for the starting goalkeeper position. Whether that can happen remains to be seen. But I think that this will help, if anything, De Gea as well. Because I think David De Gea, after recently signing a new contract might be seeing a little bit of a... Um, complacence. Complacence. You know, mm-hmm. you saw with Mesut Ozil at Arsenal, he recently... Not recently, but he signed a new contract and... Even bigger, Gareth Bale. Form. Gareth Bale, think about... You have some of these big players coming in, you know, just getting massive contracts, and, you know, some of them just want to sit in their club. You know, you have the five-year extension, like, why not just write it out? Yeah. Like, I feel like that that's a big problem with some of these mentalities that you're getting... A, multiple hundred thousand dollars a week like i mean if you miss a couple goals like why how how do you convince someone like that to care like you're 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 making a millionaire out of nothing yeah and that's one of the sad things evolving uh around the contract because david de gea um originally i believe was having a dip in form last year and the year before because there were a lot of um gray clouds above his contract situation. I thought um, I might go to Madrid, and, right? Yeah, no. Um, uh, uh, back in 2016, 2017, maybe 2015, I believe, there was a situation in which he was inches away from reaching a transfer to Real Madrid, only for it to fall through at the last minute due to the infamous fax machine. <laughs> and so um, 
But going back to that, you know, I think David De Gea will benefit definitely from competition. Now, if there is some complacency in his um, position, I think that having a young, uh, bright goalkeeper such as Dean Henderson will help him definitely uh, work harder towards keeping that center, uh, that goalkeeping position. Because without competition, some players just become very complacent. We've seen that throughout the years at Manchester United, especially since Sir Alex Ferguson has retired. Um, and I just hope that, you know, this upcoming season, we don't have to worry too much about the goalkeeping position because that's honestly the last position that you want to worry about. Can I tell you, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think that for a big club to compete in the modern world, you have to be spending at least $250 million every transfer window? You see these big rollers, you know, you have Real Madrid, Barcelona, PSG, and Manchester City just throwing out, you know, most countries' GDPs. Yeah. <laughs> most countries' GDPs on right the players. On. And, you know, Manchester United, you know, we, we've been sticking to our academy players. We've been trying to bring people up internally. Is it time for us to make a shift to try to be more competitive? But I know we've been trying to. We've been throwing out millions of dollars in the past few transfer windows, but... Like we're not getting the big players, we're not getting we're, we're getting Daniel James. Yeah. Why why are we buying Daniel James last year? What does this say about our backroom staff that we're buying players that honestly I don't think should be competing anywhere near the world stage? Like Daniel James, Daniel James is a great you know substitute, but yeah, no, I do agree with you. Um, we have spent a lot of money the post Ferguson era, um, and whether it was on players, you know who or worthy of that fee or not, such as Angel Di Maria, um, Paul Pogba. And then you have to look at other players that were brought in who probably did not deserve to play for the club, such as Morgan Schneiderlin. Um, we definitely, you know, obviously the world market has changed throughout the years. The inflation has gone through the roof, as was seen that we, when we paid 90 million euros or pounds, I believe, for Paul Pogba, who we only let go on a free um, just for just a couple years ago. But the thing about that that I do want to address very quickly because there seems to be some misconception about the transfer is Paul Pogba was not sold, okay? Paul Pogba let his contract run down, and Sir Alex Ferguson wanted to sign him to another contract, but Paul Pogba was not seeing uh, enough playing time, and so he decided to leave for Juventus, a club that is very um, great in the transfer window. He was able to secure a free transfer, just as they were able to secure free transfers for many players, such as Andreas Pereira and, um, I'm sorry, not Andres Pereira, and Andreas Pirlo and, and Sammy Kadira. Now, um, it was clear that we had to bring him back because he was a player that we were missing. But in the transfer window, there are a lot of things that need to be improved, especially with Ed Woodward. Uh, in terms of spending money, the players that we bring in, and the transfer dealings, uh, you know, negotiations and stuff like that. And especially with the current uh, issue with Jaden Sancho right now, Sancho is clearly always number one target. And I think that since he has exceeded expectations of Manchester United this season, where they competed and qualified for the Champions League, that Ed Woodward should be doing as much as possible to bring in always number one transfer target, Jaden Sancho, no matter what the climate or what is going on in the transfer market. Um, and uh, and I, I completely agree with that. I, I, you know, Jaden Sancho is electrifying. Whenever you see him on the field, like you just know that there's going to be a scoring opportunity. And that's exactly the type of player we need to be bringing on the field. Yeah. Every single time, I think mean, no matter off the bench and on the bench and starting the game, like it, it, Rashford, like Martial and Jaden Sancho is a starting lineup to be feared. Even though Rashford, you know, sometimes we, you know, he's transitioned to a playmaker role. Um, more recently, since the startup, um, he, you know, the, there are questions on the guy for missing sitter chances and uh, maybe his finishing, but our starting lineup next year could be you know, competitive for the top three. Yeah, I do agree with that. Um, we do just need more quality in the um, squad as it is now. Um, in terms of the transfer market, I want to finish off by just saying that uh, Edward has to do what it takes to get Ole his players 
and in order to build off the momentum that we've had from this season, although it has been a very underwhelming season, we were able to finish third. Um, we have not finished third in the league since Ferguson retired. We've only had one other higher um, ending position uh, since Ferguson retired, which was Jose Mourinho's second place position in 2017 and 2018. And in order to um, you know, help the club go forward, we need to see a lot more improvement in the uh, transfer dealings and the upper hierarchy um, because Manchester United is one of the biggest clubs in the world. They might even be considered the greatest club in the world. And so for us to fall to the level that we have in the recent years is something very sad to see. Now, uh, Seth, you look like you have something to say. Well, um, you know, our, we're owned by the Glaciers, and uh, fiscally, financially, they've been doing great. If they are able to succeed in this transfer window, maybe, you know, we, we've been seeing a lot of clubs being bought out. They've been trying to sell the club off and on. Maybe we might be needing a new train, need, need a new change of ownership potentially. Yeah, you, you see what's been happening, and um, um, what's the new club that just got um, promoted? Leeds, 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 Leeds United, Leeds. And one of the rivals of Manchester yeah. United. Yeah, back in the day, during the nineteen nineties and um, earlier, you know, Leeds United was one of the um, top Premier League teams, or what, what was Championship at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Newcastle has just got new owners. You know, there's a lot of money going to the Premier League. And, you know, we're obviously going to be needing to shell out the dollars. But if if we can't compete, we need massive changes from the top. Whether Ed Woodward needs to go and whether we need to change up the president, change up the owners. We need to be winning these 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 games. We can't be losing the Europa League at Sevilla in quarterfinal. I mean, that's that's not acceptable. Yeah. Although the quarterfinal defeat was um, a very sad defeat, we can um, obviously see that Ole has a vision for the future, uh, being able to reach three semifinals in the same season with the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, and the Europa League, and finishing third in the league can definitely be seen as a step in the right direction. Now, throughout this podcast, we've covered many topics we've talked about, uh, the introduction about why we started this podcast. We've talked about the Sevilla recap. We've talked about always in-game management. We've talked about the depth going into the season. We've talked about many transfers. We've talked about David De Gea and the goalkeeping situation. And hopefully we have a lot more to talk about in the future, considering that the season has seemingly been uh, a non-ending season, and we only have a new season starting within a, uh, a month and a half. So... Hopefully, we have a lot more to talk about in the future. Hopefully, we have a lot more transfer news to bring to you in the future. And for now, this is the end of the first episode of the Great Red Podcast. My name is Seth. (laughs) And I hope that you guys will be listening uh, for the next episodes that we have coming out. And thank you for listening. Have a good night. Love you.